Hello, my friends. This is Heather. This is another recording of the uh, Back to Me podcast. And this week, I'm talking to Josh Peck. And let me tell you, he's such an interesting man. And we're talking about that day that you wake up after, you know, spending 20 odd years on the career that you thought you were going to do your whole life and realizing that's not what you want to do anymore. And then the next question is, what are you going to do about it? Have a listen. Let me know what you think. Take care and I will see you soon. Hi, my friends. Welcome. This is the Back to Me podcast, and this is Heather, and I am super excited that you're here. You are going to hear some tips and some tricks and some ideas to help you live your happiest and healthiest self. I call it Back to Me because when you are taking care of yourself, Back to Me, then you can take better care of others, and we can all make the world a better place. This is Wellness Your Way, and I am super happy that you're here. Hello, my friend. How are you doing? I hope you're having an outstanding day. This is Heather. Again, this is the Back to Me podcast. This is another amazing edition of the Friday edition, which is, as you know, my favorite, my favorite day of the week, because I talked to some amazing celebrities and some amazing humans about all the awesomeness that they're bringing into the world. And this week's amazing person is Josh, Josh Peck. Hello, Josh. How are you? I'm ex- exceptionally well. It's very nice to be here. <laughs> yeah. And it is it is nighttime where you are. So thank you for staying up late <laughs> and coming to visit us. I mean, nighttime, it's all relative, but yeah. it is beyond normal working hours. And so thank you for coming and spending some time with us. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. And I always start with, so um, I always start with the, what what are you bringing into the world and how the heck did you get into this to begin with? And sometimes that's an interesting story right there. Yeah. And actually my story, uh, so I, am a midlife career coach. I help people when they've had, predominantly I work with women, generally I work with women who've done 20, 25, 30 years of a really successful career, often in a corporate, uh, corporate career. And when they get to that point of life where they look around and think, I ticked all the things off, got the house, got the kids, got the relationship, got the career, but I'm not sure this is doing it for me anymore. Right. And they're pretty clear that they want to change career and they're pretty clear that they don't want to spend the next 20 years of their life on this particular treadmill. Not fulfilling anymore, often pretty exhausting. Um but they don't know what it is that they want to do next. And that's really keeping them stuck. And I help them answer, first of all, that question, what is it that I want to do with the next 10, 15, 20 years of my career? And uh, and I made a midlife career change myself. I haven't always been a midlife career change coach. I've done no? it for a little while. <laughs> but I was previously in politics. I, oh, was wow. a, I was an elected councilman in my so-called spare time. I say spare time. It took up every ounce of, <laughs> every ounce of time. And I was a, a corporate lobbyist during the day. Don't hate me for that. In the UK, wow. it's much less, much <laughs> less, um, <laughs> it's much less comfortable. Um, no offense to any corporate lobbyists. Um, I, I, I'm I, in uh, Canada. It's okay. Our lobbyists, I, they're not as hated as they are in the uh, US. So, <laughs> um, and I, I did that for 20 years. I, I, I'd studied politics in college. I had worked for politicians out of college. I had got elected. I'd done this job. I had always been really, I had very political parents. Politics had been my absolute passion and I really loved it and had this great privilege really of having this career where I really had worked my passion for 20 years. And I loved it and I got incredible fulfillment out of it. And then really when my husband and I had our kids, we have two um, girls, um, we were a family by adoption. So, we, you know, we went through that process and and then really, as that was happening, the politics, which was 24-7, round the clock, it, it was never over, it was never finished. I represented 8,000 people, 9,000 people, so a small, a small district, but, you know, enough that there was always something else to do, there was always someone that needed me, and then this kind of managing, managing director of a quite, quite big consultancy, it just got hard. It got hard to balance, it got hard to 
hear my daughter say, are you going out again, Papa? You know, I'd do my job during the day. I'd race home and pick her up from nursery. We'd have dinner. I'd give her a bath or whatever. And then I'd have to go out. And when she was really small, she didn't notice she'd be asleep. But as she got older, I was out more and more and she noticed. And fundamentally, I kind of had to answer the question, could I be the kind of dad I wanted to be and the kind of politician I wanted to be? Could I balance the career that I'd chosen with the with the life that I chose, with the family that I'd chosen? And that was hard. And it, it, I went backwards and forwards because I'd always imagined that politics would be my long-term career. Right. I have been lining myself up for a parliamentary seat to become a member of parliament. I'd been working there for a couple of years. The MP was standing down there. The member of parliament was standing down. And he'd said to me he wanted to take me to take over. There were no promises, but it was looking looking good and so I was really committed to to that to the people who were supporting me but I had this nag I had this nagging feeling and then late one night we'd been to Hong Kong to see some friends we were flying back overnight and my husband and our daughter were asleep next next to me and I was trying to keep myself awake to get back I'm a bit of a time zone (laughs) you know I was desperately trying to keep myself awake to get back onto the right time zone and I was looking for a film to watch and I um, there wasn't really anything to watch. And I ended up watching the Amy, Amy Winehouse documentary. Oh, wow. And I didn't really have a lot of it. You know, I kind of liked her music. I didn't have a huge interest. But um, I don't know whether you know, it's all original footage. So it's, there's no kind of footage take. There's no filming done for the documentary. It's all voiceover over original footage. And at the beginning, you just see this home footage of her as probably an 11 or 12 year old, just hanging out at home, this, this kind of, wonderfully innocent fooling around kid and the voiceover then said and I remember it so clearly it said when Amy was whatever age she was in her young teens her dad started a long affair which lasted through the whole of her teens and so he was out every night of her kind of teen teenage years and she responded by thinking well if you're not around for me then I'm going to do whatever I want and so started the alcoholism and the eating disorder that, that went on to kill her and so as I sat on this plane somewhere over who knows where however many thousand feet my blood really did run cold and I thought I'm not making this work I'm not making this work for my family I'm not making this work for my career and kind of there and then the die was cast really there and then I knew that I had to do something different I had to change that this was not what I was going to do for the next 20 years I didn't know what I was going to do and that took me another couple of years to work out but I knew then that I wasn't doing this anymore. And that was the moment for me. Wow. That's that's amazing. Like the the messages that you get right when you need them, right? It's like, yeah. oh, oh. And I mean, I do talk about, and it's, sometimes it is hard to, like, I'm first of all, kudos for you for even balancing it before you had kids because the life of a politician and working is intense. And I think- yeah people don't recognize it and you do sacrifice a lot of your time and energy and free time's not a thing right so and then and there and I mean we were talking just before we came on that I mean the demands of families and jobs and relationships and you're looking after yourself and making sure that you're okay so that you can bring that energy to those things you want to bring that energy to it it's a it is a balancing act and sometimes i guess it is that hard choice of this is what i w- thought i would do but it's good for you for being open to re- maybe shifting it yeah i, I wasn't that open <laughs> i mean that's the thing that's why it took that film to kind of whack me around the head. <laughs> <laughs> you know i i'd had kind of moments i'd had, as i say it was a nagging feeling that i've been pushing away and pushing away and shoving down because it was part of my identity right we, we you know we we kind of comprise we make up our identity we build our identities from all these different things and work is a big one because we spend so much time there we spend you know half our waking hours during the week there and so you know i had this identity as pol- politician I was, you know, I think I was reasonably good at it. It was something that people um, kind of recognised me for. It was something that actually I got a lot, a huge amount of fulfilment about. I, you know, I, I got to, you know, I was a local politician. It was bins and potholes and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, a lot of... Those are important also, things. Yeah, and also public housing and schools and, you know, the local police, all that, you know, all that kind of stuff. So really important stuff. And I got to 
changed the world in lots and lots of different ways. And I, you know, I'm incredibly thankful. I did it for 12 years. That that thing I did the corporate career for kind of over 20, but but it was hard to decide to to walk away from that was hard because it was such a part of me. So there was all the kind of what do I do? How do I make it work? Do I have to retrain? Can I, you know, do I start again? Can I earn money and all that stuff? That, but the the big part was admitting to myself that this wasn't what I wanted to do anymore because it had been the thing that had driven me that had that I'd been all about for so long. And so the first part really was admitting it to myself. And right there on that plane, it was put in very, you know, no uncertain terms that I was. I was not I was not making I was not making this work and as soon as I realized that I couldn't be the kind of dad and the kind of politician I wanted to be it was game over I knew then that I, you know there was only one choice then right and and it is hard to to come to that and to because you're I mean careers when people meet you hi what do you do you know yeah. it's like that is a question and even if they're not judging you, you, you take, you internalize that as, oh, I better be impressive. Yeah. And, um, cause I, I had a midlife, midlife, had my own midlife career change. I didn't have anybody to help me through it. I just kind of muddled through it myself. Yeah. And I went from being a chartered accountant to, and a corporate executive to a yoga teacher yeah. <laughs> and a massage therapist. And you are, and it's interesting. I was going to ask you because, um, not only is your identity tied up in what you do, but often the people that you have relationships are invested in the identity of who you are. And when I announced that I was doing this, one of my friends took me to lunch and he was ready to take me to the mental facility because he thought that I had gone insane. <laughs> he was really serious. And I just looked at him. He said, I had to look you in the eye to make sure that you hadn't totally gone bonkers. I said, all I'm doing is changing jobs. <laughs> right? It's just like, why is that grounds for confinement for, for yeah. mental examination? And I had the same experience. The two people, the two people who made no complaint and and gently pushed me towards this were my mum who was always worried that something bad was going to happen to me you know I, I was I was a politician in a very <laughs> very um intense part part of East London that's a nice I'd had, I'd had, the, odd, I'd had <laughs> the odd death threat and that kind of stuff you know nothing serious but enough that she worried for my for my 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 health and certainly my sanity and my husband who was who was you know didn't it, it was not the relate, you know. He, I was a counselor when <laughs> when we got together, and in fact, on the very first time we met, we we were introduced by a friend, and he said I had to submit timesheets for the council, and they they would publish them online. He said to me, well, at the, that first time, he said, "Well, I've seen your timesheets, and I don't think you have time for a boyfriend." So <laughs> with his eyes wide open, but nonetheless, he he wanted more of it. So the, the two of them didn't object, but everyone else did. It was interesting how invested other people were in me as politician me as lobbyist you know what does that tell you know we one of the things i i coach on a lot now is how much of our identity how much of our value is in doing is in productivity mm. you know we're i try very hard not to do this with our kids but we're often praised when we're small for doing things right oh you worked really hard at that you know great re, you know did you did well and so you know we just we're inculcated with this value of we are worthy when we're doing, we are valuable when we're doing. And so, you know, my seniority, my success, all of those things was important to me, certainly. But, but as I found out, it was important to lots of other people. So that career change was even more difficult because I had to go and persuade other people as well who thought it was a terrible idea. And one, actually, one friend, one friend said, look, well, I'm going to stop trying to persuade you, but at least make sure that you, at least make sure that you, um, that you've spoken to someone go and see my therapist she's very good at this kind of this kind of thing <laughs> but he's a provocative therapist he uses lots of humor to get out of you the answers that you already know and in fact I didn't go to his therapist but I did try that trick on myself I was like okay if if, if you already know what it is you want to do what is it and out came the answer quick as a flash coach wow and it was surprising because at that point I never had coaching I'd had two friends who told me they were going to be coaches and both times I had, I'd had the same thought which was um, what on earth is that? It sounds ridiculous. And secondly, <laughs> who on earth are you to tell other people how to live their lives? You know, 
Um, but I knew, I absolutely knew at that point that that answer was, you know, our, our bodies, our brains are, are picking up multiple billions of bits of information. And somewhere in there, that thing had lodged itself that that was what I wanted to do. And then I had to go away and work out what a coach was, how they, what they did, how they <laughs> earned money. And so I had a great, and as I did that, I got more and more certain. Um, I made lots of mistakes over a long, over a couple of years, really trying to work out what it, what it was I was going to do, how I was going to stand down, all, all that kind of stuff. And so now I kind of, I take all of that learning of the stuff that worked and the stuff that didn't and put it into my kind of program and my process so that it doesn't, doesn't take, you have to take people several years. I mean, generally when people come to me, they have had several years of going around. I call it the washing machine, that 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 going round and round and round in circles of I could do this, I could do that, I could work for myself, I could I could turn my side hobby hobby into a business, I could stop working altogether, you know, lots and lots of options, but nothing seeming right. And so they they, they stay on spin cycle the whole time. And and, and also, I mean, fear will keep you in that spin yeah. a lot, right? Um because making that kind of change, I, I've heard, you know, the devil you know versus the devil you don't know. Yes. But what if it's not? What if it's amazing? Yeah. And I have talked to people who said, well, I can't, I can't, I can't because, because, because. And they will stay. They will choose to stay unhappy and kind of stuck just yeah. because of all the the, I, I see it more as like an excuse, all the excuses versus the what if something good came out of it. Yeah. And what's really interesting is the, you know, that they're, they're good excuses. <laughs> they're good. You know, <laughs> what if I can't make money in this? I'm far too busy to do this right now. You know, all, all that kind of stuff. I don't have time to start again. I don't have, I can't afford to start again. The bottom, all of that stuff. And what I always say to people is, look, a career change is not one moment. A career change is not, I used to do this, now I do that. A career change is actually really three stages. Hmm. The first one is, what on earth am I going to do next? The second one is then making that happen. And, you know, that can be anything from going and doing some interviews and getting a new job and changing. But for a lot of people, it's actually building up their own their own business or doing some training and then starting something different. And then there's the moment right at the end when you leave you leave the job and just do the one thing full time. And the great thing about this, the great thing about this realization, which really sets people free is this first bit is totally risk-free. That the, let's do some work on deciding what it is I'm gonna do next, totally risk-free. You're still in your job. You're not gonna suddenly lose your salary. You know, all of that stuff is totally risk-free with the exception of if the thing you decide is so energizing so motivating you might have no choice but to go off and right. do it I often see people are like oh they're kind of locked in but the problems that people bring up I don't have the time now's not the right time the kids you know, the kids are whatever it is um those are stage two and stage three problems they're the they're the problems for when you start making the change and when you go all in from one thing to the other and yet those stage two and stage three problems stop people starting on stage one which is what can I do that will give me the career of fulfillment of balance and a financial independence they want those are the three things that people want and actually that first bit it doesn't have to take you two or three or four years as it did me and most people I do it in a couple of months with people and then then you get to decide then you get to decide am I gonna do this will it give me enough money is this the right time how long is it going to take me to train if I need to retrain at all but people will lump all of this in together and that's what stops and when you get clear that there's a first bit that's totally risk-free then people are out of the traps and on their way. And the first bit gives you that time to imagine and kind of do little like pen and paper tests. You know, it's like, well, if I did this, what would it look like? Or if I did this, what would it, what would it look like? And it's true, it is risk-free, but we don't let ourselves do that daydream because I guess you've encountered those people who get so excited that then maybe they jump faster than they intended to. Is that what they they? do or they just get too excited and can't concentrate on their old job so what i always work on is not leaving your job till you love it because often people come into me come to me when they've actually work has become quite toxic mm. there's this kind of there's this loop where you kind of start deciding that work is not what you want to do and so very subtly kind of imperceptibly you kind of step back a little bit, put a little bit bit less in. 
people start to notice that and they give you a slightly harder time or they kind of hold you account for that and so you get a bit resentful and you step back a little bit and so you get into this kind of now i also coach a lot of people who've got toxic bosses or been married you know there's external internal things but often and it's hard to admit and you know i did the same thing it's often the fact that we have started to check out that makes work quite difficult and i always say to people never leave work when you hate it because you'll jump too quickly into the wrong thing do the work on falling in love with it again and actually for most jobs for you know sometimes it's genuinely toxic because of the way things are done but for most jobs there's a way to fall in love with it again and that's a great place to be when you you're doing the work to work out what your next career is and actually the big secret is once you start doing that you don't need to fully get into that career to start feeling the benefits as soon as you're doing the work and you know what it is and you're working towards it that's when you start to feel that fulfillment come back and once you've got that fulfillment and the current job is what's enabling that to happen and you can be clear you can be grateful about all the great stuff in that job and there's always some stuff then you can be in this great position of having a job that you actually really do enjoy again even though you know it's not what you want to do long term as well as working towards this fantastic fulfilling exciting motivating job and that's that's the kind of that's the great place to be. And I think sometimes people, uh, I mean, you, if you've been in that career for a long time, the one that you've decided is no longer fulfilling, trying tuning back into that. Why, why did you go there in the first place? If there's something that kept you there that long, even if it's not right now, at some point it was okay. And it, you did probably like it. I mean, I found with my jobs, the things that I liked the most were the, the people. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, it's like the job itself, eh, I could take it or leave it. But um, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting that you make the, you get them to fall back in love with their current job that they're leaving. <laughs> yeah. And, and often actually it is the people when we do the work on, OK, what is it about this job that you could really love? You know, we're human beings. We throw, you know, the thing that's essential for us is human interaction. Yeah. And often when we're one, when we're burnt out, I work with lo- lots of people who um you know they've got they've got young families they're doing that juggle and so they're doing they're doing the so-called family friendly hours they've gone from five days to four they're working core hours or the nine day fortnight or whatever and what happens (laughs) absolutely every time is you get paid less you get less time you get no less work so you're now doing five days worth of work in four days so what gets what gets squeezed out the water cooler moments and the and the lunches with colleagues and just the you know you get in you get your head down and you type and type and type and type all day and then you leave and actually when people tune back into the fact that the thing that they really do enjoy about work is being with the other human beings and those human relationships and they're able to actually just lean back into that a little bit more not only do they actually like what they're doing much more not only do they find some real joy in that but they get better at their jobs again so this becomes then this toxic circle becomes a virtuous circle so yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, every time it comes down to the human beings. Now, you know, as I say, there are, there are some instances where the human relationships are toxic and you, you just kind of have to get out. And I do work with people who've left, who've resigned, who've been, who've been made redundant and they have a slightly different situation. But for most most people, there's a way to kind of fall in love with work again. And or even shift around. I mean, it is true that people, you know, people, the reduced hours, the now the hybrid work from home, work from the office model. And I know that some people love that work from home and they would love to stay there all the time. I don't know. <laughs> I think that even if you're a hermit, you got to spend some time with some real people <laughs> for your mental health. I think that's right. And I think it was Mark and Gladwell who got into a bit of trouble about this recently where he kind of made what was a very sensible point and slightly misinterpreted that actually if you're reasonably senior in your career, you can probably stay at home without damaging your prospects, but you will certainly be damaging the prospects of the people who are 10, 15 years younger than you. You know, you've got senior because you had all those years in the office when you were able to learn from the more senior people around you. Right. If you're squirreling yourself away at home because it suits you and your life better, which is absolutely great. You know, <laughs> I, I love the fact that I get to kind of work in my <laughs> lovely office and be around for my kids and my husband, all that kind of, but actually for people at the beginnings of their career being around more senior people being actually around them is really important so um but yeah all of that stuff is important as you're designing the next career you know do you love working with people do you love being on your own all that kind of stuff is part is part of the the jigsaw you need to design 
how how wide a chasm have you seen between people's careers current careers and the ones they've moved to like has there been a huge shift or yeah everything from something it's i always say a career change is everything from changing up your career so doing the same thing in a different way and that's that's pretty typical people you know, they, they might go from working in a, in a corporate environment to doing something very similar in a charity, for example, so they get the kind of fulfillment back that way and maybe better balance to doing something, you know, I used to do A, now I do B, and it's totally different. So, you know, from working in tech to being a breath coach, from um, working in construction to being a rural entrepreneur, from working in a corporate environment to being an interior designer. And then there's this gray area in between, which is the, um, you know, there's the kind of, I always say, you know, one of the first things you need to do is work out, do I need a new job or do I need a new career? And that's, you know, right. sometimes the thing that's not working for you can be solved by moving to a different department or to a different company. Um, but it's this middle ground of doing something similar, but in a different way. And for some people, that's, um, as I say, changing sector, changing type of organization. For a lot of people, it's doing a similar thing but for themselves so there's a there's a whole there's a whole spectrum and I never you know I will say to people I have no idea what you should do <laughs> I, I, you know I've, people who come to me and say you've got to tell me what I'm going to do next you've got to tell me I'm like no that's not what I do sorry that's not what <laughs> coaches do <laughs> yeah, I mean I mean how, how do I know <laughs> yeah. and your friend was right like the therapist is like you and I, I say to this, the, to the people that I coach who have these questions, I say, you already know your answer. You just haven't figured out how to ask the question yet. Yeah. Or you don't want to see the answer yet. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, I, I would say to people, like, you have your own answer. Like, it's in there. I just help you kind of take away all the detritus of life and get to that answer that's there. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting when you do, when they, when you do hit it, when you find it, it is invigorating, and it's true. I've I've seen a lot of people where it's not what they it's not what they do. They just don't want to do it for someone else anymore. Yeah, right. So I've seen a lot of move to entrepreneurship, and even that is a big mind shift to yeah. go from employee to entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. Because what most of us want from you know. I always say to people, a great career and therefore a great career changes about three things. It's about fulfillment, it's about balance, and it's about financial independence. And those last two, balance and finance, particularly balance, also financial independence, really are about freedom and control. The freedom and control to live your life as you want to do it. Mm -hmm. And when you're working someone else's nine to five, you just, you know, even with the best of bosses, even with the most family friendly, you know, I was... Um, one of the big city banks in the UK, probably probably in North America as well, will do things like if you're breastfeeding when you go back to work, they'll they'll allow you to express it around the country if you're traveling, whatever, to FedEx it around the country. I mean, great, but really, you know, if that's if that's your choice, great, but whew, you know, the kind of the hoops we jump through to make to make our jobs work. Now, you know, all of the evidence is the eight hour day is a kind of messy compromise between unions and factory owners in the Industrial Revolution, right? When we went from having jobs where when, you, when you'd when done the job, the job was done. If you were shoeing a horse, you shoot the horse and then the job was done. If you needed to bring in the harvest, you brought in the harvest and then the job was done. To being in a situation where factories could literally run around the clock and the working day got longer and longer and longer. And so trade unions and, and uh, you know, the bosses had to kind of have this messy compromise of, and the union campaign was eight hours of labor, eight hours of rest, eight hours of sleep, eight hours of recreation, eight hours of sleep. So the, the eight-hour eight day around which we all build our working lives, it's never eight hours, it's normally nine or ten and some time in the evening and some time at the weekend. But that, that eight-hour day, there's no evidence whatsoever that that's what human beings do best when it comes to work. In fact, all of the evidence shows, as I'm sure you know, you know, it, it's four hours. We can basically do dial moving deep work for four hours of any day. And whether you're a concert pianist who rehearses for four hours or an uh, elite athlete, or in fact, even hunter gatherers, they found, you know, the kind of optimum hunting gathering is four hours. And yet five, six hours of our day every day is either shuffling emails around onto, you know, we do our four hours of where we can do the work and then the rest of it is shuffling emails around. Or if we really have no choice but to do deep work, we're absolutely burning ourselves out. 
or you're sitting in the endless meetings, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. listening, trying to listen. And it's interesting, the eight hours, because I, I don't know that I've ever had a job that was just eight hours, even, even where I had timesheets. And I remember um, when I worked for the accounting firm, on paper, it was, you know, eight hours, except during tax season. And then it was 10 hours, because they tacked on an hour at the beginning and the end, because it's busy season. But really, you worked more than that already. So I know, yeah. it's like, what? <laughs> Yeah, I, when I so both times we adopted our girls, I had a, I had a year at home as a, a stay-at-home dad, which was really wonderful. And then when I went back, my kind of return to work agreement was that I would work so-called core hours, i.e., I would only be in the office for my contracted hours, and that was an agreement that we negotiated. So I'd get in at nine, I'd leave at half five. Although weirdly, there was that you know they had the lunch in, and, you know, whatever. But it was so bizarre that you know I had to have this conscious agreement that I would only work the hours I was contracted, and that was the, that was the family friendly. <laughs> I would only be in the office for the hours you were actually paying me for, and not the hour at the beginning and hour hour and a half at the end that everyone else was working. Very, and I mean, look what's happened that they've had to bring in laws about when bosses are allowed to send emails, and yeah. I have seen it during the pandemic with so many people forced to work from home that. There, because there's no going to the office and going home, people didn't know how not to work. Yeah. Because it wasn't even contracted hours anymore. It's like, well, my computer's there. Um, so I should probably be doing something because I'm yeah. awake. Yeah, <laughs> so. the boundaries get totally blurred. And so, you know, the 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 thing that most one of the big components most people want from this from a career change is freedom and control. Freedom and control to live their life. Is the one you, you gave the list at the beginning, you know time with the family, time with friends. Actually, the big thing that always suffers is time on your own. Mm -hmm. You know, the, oh, just, yes. just downtime, reading a book, doing a jigsaw, or just getting bored. You know, when when was the last time you just sat and had the time to stare into space and get, get bored? Really important, and yet most of us squeeze that out because we're running at 90 miles an hour. So, so many, probably 60% of the people I coach end up setting up their own business or doing something on their own because that's the only way they can see having the freedom and control that they think is necessary for a life well lived for a life that actually has the time and the space and the ability for them to do the things that they want to do without getting totally exhausted and burnt out. Right. And what, I mean, one of the things that I tell people is no one will do it for you. So you can't expect your boss to say, Oh, just go sit in the park and watch the events, yeah. you know, just relax, just do nothing because that's not, that that's not the orders they're getting that's not how they get rewarded and yeah. and i mean there's a big reason this podcast is called back to me because i think not i think a lot of people probably the majority of people if i ask them have forgotten how to just be just do nothing for a while and yeah. like let yourself have some of that downtime yeah so powerful and when you have it i had a client who actually gave that permission to herself even though she said I had so much to do, but I gave myself permission to take this time off. And the next day after she took that time off, she got so much done yeah. <laughs> because she's so creative as well. Right. The, right? The, the, the way creativity springs when we're not desperately working, working, working. Yeah. It's, and I don't know. I, there, we haven't found a way to incorporate that into the, I'm, I'll put it in quotation marks, regular world, how yeah. to incorporate, um, rewarding the fact that someone is taking that time for themselves. Yeah. And do you find that the people who end up going into work for themselves still have trouble figuring out that balance? Because a lot of entrepreneurs, when they first start, go too far the other way and yeah. too much. Yeah. The worst boss you'll ever have is yourself, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're desperate to make it work. And you, you know, um, I, I do an exercise as part of the, the, career change process which is getting very clear about what an ideal life and within that an ideal day an ideal week an ideal month looks like where we actually do design okay what actually what are the things you want to do and we take that and we build it out so we start with the the most basic how much sleep do you want to get what's your bio time you know what are you should you be going to sleep late and waking up late should you go to sleep early and you know, do that and then we build in the kind of the um 
kind of health and well-being ha habits, the kind of keystone habits that you need in the day. And then there's the non-negotiables, time with family. Then there's the kind of deep work, uh, you know, and you kind of build it up like this. And when you do that, people, you can see, one, it's the scales fall from people's eyes when they realize just how different this kind of ideal way of working is from how they work currently and they're kind of nine to fives right um, but what's interesting is that people often are actually able once they get conscious about how they want to live life they're often able to start making some big changes already I worked with a client a little while ago who one of the things she wanted to do she wanted to write every morning and so she we designed that into her ideal day and a couple of months later she said to me oh I've, I've been writing every morning and I've written a thousand words every day and I've written a book whoa she'd, she'd had this book knocking around in her head and she'd had this kind of vague idea I wanted to write but when she got clear on the thing that the thing would, that would feel really nourishing and really you know kind of really good self-care and also really kind of great personal development was to write every day so every day she sat down she wrote a thousand words a couple of months she'd written her book she's now on the second draft and talking to publishers oh my so gosh that's amazing just because she was able to work out that actually this was a priority and when she made it a priority there was time in her day for it right yes I was having a conversation with someone recently who her priority no her she valued her children and her time with her family but she was prioritizing her work so yeah. your values priorities scale her it was a little out of out of whack and sometimes it's hard to figure out how to get those back into place yeah right. and that's when it comes I think to the kind of underlying subconscious stuff you know I'm always clear I'm not a therapist I'm a, no. I'm a coach 100% that, <laughs> that kind of blurry area right where it's what you know the distinction I always make is therapy is kind of and there are different types of therapy, but, but you know therapy is kind of going and sitting back in the kind of past trauma to work out how you whereas coaching is what are you thinking now and how are we gonna you know yeah forward versus backwards exactly but of course, how you're thinking now is influenced by what happened in the past. And when you when you get into that thing of actually what messages have you been given about when you're valuable, when you're worthwhile? And for most of us, as, as we talked about earlier, most of our praise came from when we did stuff rather than when we just were ourselves. So there's a thing that we say to our daughter, the game we play with our daughters that they, that they hate because, you know, they're like, oh, coach for father. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll thank you later yeah well who knows you know they'll be talking about that in therapy but whatever um <laughs> but we play this game where we ask them they we say why why do we love you and they, and they know the answer you know we say is it because you're beautiful is it because you're clever is it because you're funny and the answer to all of these isn't they have to you know repeat no 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 and the punchline is well why do we love you and the punchline is because I'm me just me and you know I say to them look I want you to do incredible things. I think you're capable of doing exceptional, extraordinary things, of changing the world in, in ways I can't even imagine. But if you lie in bed for the rest of your life and do nothing else, you are still as worthy, you are still as lovable, you're still as incredible a person. I will love you just as much if you do that. You know, my love is not contingent on you, on you doing stuff. And most of us, for really good reasons, don't get that message as we grow up, right? And so is it any wonder that we're unable to get off you know I the, the thing I did before this that I thought might be my career was I had a productivity blog because when I was a counsellor and a yeah, and a corporate lobbyist and a, a dad you know I had to get really good at productivity I had to get really good at kind of getting things done but that train never stops that hamster wheel never stops the more you do the more you can do the more you get given to do and so and what I actually had to learn to do is do less and be fine but understand that whether or not I get to the end of that thing, I'm still as valuable a human being. And that's probably and a lifetime's work, but I'm... I think that is a lifetime's work because think about the times you've walked into the bookstore and there's all the books on how to be more productive. Yeah. You know, productivity hack this, productivity hack that. It's like, do more, do more, do more. Like, wow. I I'm not, uh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm laughing because not only do I have a, a literally a pile next to me of books that I have not yet read but I have 41 books in my Amazon basket of, of, of books that I want to read so you know there's another that's a that's a very open loop of all the all the knowledge I need to kind of cram into right. my head in order to be it you know so yeah mine is my ebooks at the library I have so many holds at the library that I have to keep 
putting them off being delivered to my e-reader and I, I'm not allowed to have any more holds. The library's like, no, that's your limit. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, I guess I should stop trying to cram stuff into my head. But yeah. I just see it as curiosity. I'm just really curious about the world. That's all. <laughs> yeah. yeah Part no, of my absolutely. process. <laughs> And it's not a bad thing, right? It's it's understanding when it tips from being an enjoyable thing into a kind of addictive, compulsive thing that gets yeah. in the way of other stuff. Yeah, the full Amazon basket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And your program, you told me the name of your program. Right. Yeah, so my, I have a career program called Transform, which is just that very first bit of what right. is it I want to do next? Which I think is career. the most important step. Yeah, I then do coach with people longer term to as they as they build their own businesses or go job hunting or whatever. But the the program is this first bit because get that right, and then you know the very the it's a program in three stages, and the you know the first bit is coming back to me. You know, it's it's two two thirds of that is who are, mo the way most people go about a career a career change is desperately looking on LinkedIn and all the job search sites and job adverts working out what with my skills and my experience what can I do right. and I always say to people that's the role it's very logical it's very rational it's very problem solving approach but it's the wrong way about it. because a midlife career change is not about a job it's about aligning who you are with what you do and when when you want to change career in midlife it's because there's some yawning gap and the yawning gap is here's your job that you started you know I my first career I, I chose my you know my exams when I was 15 and then 17 I just I went to university chose my university at 18 did my politics degree so the career that I was doing at 40 was something that literally 25 years before I had started out on the track of and I had changed I'd been through you know two kids getting married all sorts of stuff you know all, all that kind of stuff and I expected my job to still be as relevant to me as it was 20 years before we change and our jobs don't keep pace. And so what we have to do and what is lovely actually about any kind of coaching relationship, I think, is it gives you the time and the space to come back to you, you know, to, to actually work out who am I at this point in my life? What is important to me? What are my values? What impact do I want to have? We, you know, any job is an exchange of energy. It's giving our energy in response in return for money that's been earned by someone else's energy. And so, what matters enough for us that we're going to give over our energy for it for four or five or however many hours a day? And to answer that question, you've really got to know who you are at this point in your life. You've got to know what's really important for you. And I always say to people, you know, this program is about career change, but you get so much more than right. that. Because even if you just did that first bit of who am I and what matters to me, that would be that that would be worth it on its own because that gets to be life changing so much stuff starts to make sense you're like oh right okay I have a really strong value around this thing that I never really realized whether that's integrity or um, autonomy or whatever and here's all those situations where that value is not in alignment with how I'm living my life and so you get to go and sort those things out and then you get you know all the stuff around confidence and self-belief and self-acceptance I really coach around self-acceptance kind of most of all really and once you you know once you get into that place then not just the career, but everything starts to make so much more sense, as I'm sure you experience right. with your clients. Well, and and because I'm like when I started coaching originally, I did basically business coaching, but then I, the more business coaching I did, the more I realized it's not that's not it. There's there are the I mean I break it into six parts to make my brain work a little better, but there are you know there are all those pieces, and when one of them is not working, which maybe is your professional. It brings down the others. And if you can yeah. figure out how to, maybe you would decide you liked your job after all, and it's just some tweaking of it, then the other parts of your life get to open back up again. And mm -hmm. it, it's because it's all you. It's just, it's just, it's all you. It's just keeping you your happiest, healthiest, balanced, what, whatever word you want to put on it, self, so that you can be who you want to be in the world, right? Yeah, and it's interesting because often what happens is the work you, you know, like you, it's I strongly believe there's only one of us, but actually we develop this work persona, which as our 
as our work gets further and away, further away from who we are, we feel like we're a totally different person. Away. So we we feel, you know, the kind of search for authenticity. I kind of slightly struggle with the idea of as if there's some kind of pure authentic self in there. <laughs> I, think I think we're more messy and com complicated than that, and it's not necessarily useful to think of the authentic self. But but I do think there's a more authentic self than the person that a lot of us have become at work because we have to put on this persona, and so. You know, being able to be vulnerable enough to say, okay, let's start to drop that person and just be something more messy and more whatever and, and try and work out some answers. Be be you. Yeah. Just be you. Yeah. That's a that's a muscle that needs some that needs constant exercising. <laughs> yeah, I um I uh, I've always loved dancing. I've always loved um going to nightclubs and dancing but I've never done it in a class and recently I went and did a class and it was a, a big class it was about 60 people I was the only man there I was one of the older older ones there when I came back and my husband said were you the eldest one there it hadn't really occurred to me but when I thought about it I thought, yeah maybe it was <laughs> um and it was because one I wanted to do something that pushed myself one I wanted to do something that was kind of physically moving my body and that was more difficult and um, was doing something that I would enjoy but it was also about doing something where I knew I would actually feel really vulnerable and really I, I wasn't very good at it. I was one of the worst in the in the class. You know, I, I can move, but I can't move to someone else's. You know, it was literally this. At the beginning, she's like, "I'm going to mess you up. Come on!" <laughs> <laughs> Two hours of learning a dance to Beyonce track, and I was out of my depth. <laughs> but that was why I put myself in there because when I'm out of my depth, that's when I don't have that. And actually, when you're doing something that physical and you, your front you don't have the time in the space to so I I really wanted to put myself in the place of mucking up publicly and just being open with that and that's that's a I mean I, I felt I had a bit of a hangover you know a bit of a kind of vulnerability hangover afterwards because like, what did I do in front you know but actually and then it was all over social media and I kept reposting it because I was like come on <laughs> lean into it but actually the ability to do that and not to have that for, for years, I had this hard shell at work, this kind of very professional, you know, I'll be strong and I'll be professional and I'll be hyper competent and all that kind of stuff. And actually now I'm really enjoying being a bit messier and, you know, living some of my vulnerabilities in public. And that's... that's <laughs> posting them on social media. Posting them on social media, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to go check those out. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of dancing on my Instagram. <laughs> awesome. You have to TikTok that stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was on TikTok and I decided it probably wasn't where my audience mainly mainly hung out. So I don't spend so much time on that. <laughs> so um first uh, I thank you for your time. But before you go, I always yeah. ask everyone any final words of wisdom. Hmm. I mean so many. I was gonna say so many. Sounds rather arrogant. I've got a lot. I've got a lot of wisdom to say. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> the thing, the thing that has that has changed me the most, I think, and allowed me just to lean into being myself, whatever that is, at any given moment, because it you know shifts, is really the realization that what people think of me really is none of my business, and I mean that very literally. We have this idea that. We can make people like us, make people value us, make people love us. You know, if I just work a bit harder, if I just am a bit thinner, if I just have nicer hair, or if I just speak more clearly in this presentation, whatever, then I will enable, I will cause them to like me, to love me, to, to value me. What I've realized is whether or not someone likes, loves, or values me is 100% in their head and I'm unable to. That's a thought in their head and can't control my own thoughts let alone someone else's <laughs> and I am always 100% lovable I'm always 100% valuable I'm always 100% likable someone's ability to like me to love me to think I'm valuable to think I'm worthwhile is entirely in their head and when I'm able to let go of that and just be who I want to be and do who I want to do what I want to do with integrity with you know with good intention but not trying to control other people and realizing that there are 7.9 billion people in the world. Some of them are going to love me. Some of them are going to think I'm awful. My job is not to persuade them to like me or to love me. My job is to do what I do what I do and to let them 
come up with their own their own thing. So that for me has been so freeing. Yeah, it enables me to dance on Instagram and all the other <laughs> stuff that you have to do right as, a, as an entrepreneur. Um, but just to live my life knowing that what someone else thinks of me, none of my business. I'll, I'll do me and that, that'll do. That's like mega wisdom. And being able to, to embrace that and live it, that's a, that's a skill. And a lifetime's work. And a lifetime's work, exactly. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you so much for sharing your wisdom. And um, my friends, the how to get in touch with Josh, I can never remember what's above or below or beside, depends where you're watching or listening. But connect with Josh because, you know, there's a lot of living left to be done. And if you're not happy, then uh, why, right? Why do it? So my friend, connect with Josh. If you like the episode, do connect with Josh 100%. Remember to like, subscribe, comment, send us some messages, let us know. Although we... Your opinion of us doesn't matter. We're still curious to know <laughs> what you thought. <laughs> I know it's just contradicted us. Oh well, that's okay. But for sure, contradicting. I'm a complex human being. <laughs> I know I'm a complex human being. Share it with the world. That's what we'll say. Just share it out with the world. Take very good care of yourselves, my friend. I will see you again next time. Hi, my friend. Thanks so much for listening to this entire podcast. If you found it useful and you're like me and you like like helping others, please feel free to share this. Just give it a like. Give it a comment. If you found something useful in it, there's a chance that someone else will find something useful as well. Also, if you have any questions at all, I can absolutely help and I would love to help you can email me at heather at prosperityflowcoaching.com. If you want more of this awesome content, you can follow me on Instagram, Heather Stewart Coaching. You can follow me on Facebook, Prosperity Flow Coaching. And I have a personal request. I want to help as many people as I can with these podcasts. And if you could give me a review, hopefully a good one. If you could share, if you could send this out into the world, I would truly appreciate it. I hope you have an amazing day. And I hope that you find your way to wellness by getting back to me. Take care, my friend.